0: Welcome to True Nature Radio. I'm Laurie Regan.
1: And I'm Heiner Fruhoff.
0: Today we'll be continuing the story that we started last week entitled A Lifetime of Cultivation The Remarkable Story of Chinese Qigong Master. We've been conducting an interview or bringing you an interview with Professor Wang Qingyu, one of the recognized masters of cultivation, specifically Qigong in China. He's the lifetime professor for traditional Chinese arts of nourishing life and martial arts at the Sichuan Academy of Cultural History. He's also the lineage holder of one of the recognized classical lineages of physical and spiritual cultivation in China. We ended on the last note of Professor Wang really in a very touching way telling us about how after an early childhood with a lot of in some ways, a lot of privilege, but in other ways, a lot of difficulty and a lot of trauma. And specifically, his, he was forced to study martial arts and Qigong, a system that he wasn't really so interested in at that age. But when he met his teacher, that all changed. Let's continue with the conversation as Professor Wang was asked to tell us more about his relationship with his beloved teacher.
2: He would I met my master, Li Yunhong, uh, also called
1: Huanxi Dao Ren, the hermit who always smiles when I was about 11 years old. I originally entered into the Jinjingmen style of martial arts and traditional cultivation education because I had to survive. My father brought me there so that I wouldn't get assassinated by the rest of my family members. However, what I gained was not just a tremendous treasure trove of knowledge in that area, something that I truly became interested, which was so much in contrast to all of the external practices I'd learned before the brick-breaking, and the huffing and puffing, the beating against poles, etc. But what was so valuable for me that he was the extremely kind father that I had never known before. I had always felt like an orphan, and all of a sudden here was this old man who was already in his 70s uh, or 80s at the time who taught me what it means to be a real human being, what it means to be self-responsible, how to become a model for my own children later in life, and how to be a real teacher to the disciples that I've taught them uh, later on. He, of course, also taught me the mechanics of this particular style. Uh, and it starts with the uh, Jin Men de with the four characters, the four words that make up the structure of the physical part of this form, which is um, the moving, uh, moving qigong practices, the starting with something that's called tao, which is shaking. It's basically jumping up and down to warm up your body. And uh, open up the meridians, which is a very simple thing that everybody can learn really easily, but at the same time also very effective and Then the next part was so to uh, walk quite literally, which is um, continuation of this opening of the meridians is uh, these uh, walking practices but also all moving practices. Uh, the, these are the Taoshu, the types of forms uh, that people learn nowadays in Kung Fu school also, where you have some movement that is like 10 movements long or 20 movements long, uh, sometimes 70 movements or even more than 100 movements long as we have very often in Tai Chi Quan. I, uh, so I learned many, many of these different kinds of movements. And then of course the Ding, which is quiet, meditation, standing, sitting down, lying down. And finally, ho, which means screaming, uh, but is basically working with sound, vibrating the inside of your body by working with different kinds of sounds that will move to different places in your body and clear negative energies there.
2: Um, I learned. Therefore, a mixture from him
1: of Confucian content, which includes a lot of the philosophical uh, and cosmological and uh, morality-oriented classics of Chinese culture. Then, of course, the martial arts part. Then there was a lot of medical instruction, different medical formulas, um, acupuncture, acupressure, and uh, the as I will go into in a minute, is this teaching of secret points that can either freeze or unfreeze a person. And I learned the spiritual content of what the Chinese call Tao, the way of Taoism and for Buddhism. And... I learned Yi, e, the techniques of the person who is a wandering craftsman uh, able to sustain himself and others uh, through the collection of herbs and, uh, and, and martial performances on the marketplace, et cetera. All in all, I should say, I had the privilege of being initiated into one of the high-level lineages of China where it wasn't just about breaking some bricks, but it was about the whole package
0: so, at this point, it was very clear that something significant had changed for Professor Wong at this stage of his life. so we asked him about why that was. Was it the nature of the details of the practices themselves, or was it really about the nature of how he was being taught
2: what I realize now in
1: retrospect, what was different from this. Shrimp, this master, from the previous instructors that forced me into an external stand that I didn't want to be in and uh, forced me into uh, punishing my body, really, and steal my body in certain ways that might be useful in a, in a, in a bar fight, really,
2: uh, was
1: that he taught me about real kung fu, which is the, real, the mastership of my body. By mastering myself, my mind, my mental focus, and uh, what I was feeling inside of my soul, um, let me give you the Yu Zhou Zhuang as an example. The Yu Zhou Zhuang is the Universe Dance, which is one of the most important movements uh, that we do in the Jing Jing uh, practice.
2: It's a quiet meditation, and I had
1: learned that before already from my father when I was referring to the whip. He was basically letting me stand in the what he called the horse stance, uh, but it was just enduring the pain without moving. There was no instruction about what was going on on the inside to make it a useful practice. Whereas Li Yunhong, was focusing on how I would cope on the inside to really become one with the universe. He taught me that the external stance was nothing but a catalyst for a feeling that would arise in you that you are really at one with the universe. Uh, So the stance was nothing but a tool to, to catapult you into... A mental, emotional, spiritual state, and without body and mind working together, that state is unattainable. Um, you're feeling your soul is being violated while your body is being forced in a particular position. So, this master of mine, he would show me gently how I have to stand to put the gravity in the right position. He would put the body into a structure uh, where it was most natural for me to stand in this way, and then he would whisper in my ear, really, that your feet are on the broad earth, let the earth carry your weight, your head is in the blue sky let the heavens illuminate you and irradiate you and warm you and support you in every way possible. When you get tired, lean against the tree that is in front of you and lean against that supportive mountain that is in the back of you. In this way, I could stand
2: in this stance for almost up to an
1: hour, which is quite the average way of standing here until my body was completely disappeared, until I felt that I was one with the universe. Furthermore, he taught me the important point that nobody has an authority to criticize another style. There's literally 36,000 different styles of Kung Fu and martial arts and internal cultivation. and In the philosophy, there is an unspoken codex in the martial arts world that you uh, might have your own opinions about somebody else's style on the inside, but you don't overtly criticize people on the outside. You say nothing but positive things about them.
2: Uh, And most importantly,
1: and I mentioned that just now already, he taught me about the meaning of xin, of the heart.
2: The mental focus and the spiritual
1: presence of one's entire being in any kind of movement practice is the heart of real Kung Fu, and without him, I would have never learned that.
0: We asked Professor Wong to continue to educate us about exactly what's happening in the cultivation process. How does this make one healthy? How does it change one's life? How does it lead to transformation? And how was this process intimately involved in the specific relationship that he had with his teacher?
1: The term Jin, Jin Gong is composed of the two characters Jin, which means tendons or sinews, and Jing, which means passageways or meridians. And what this entails is basically that you're trying to achieve a clearing of the physical body on the organ level by opening the meridians, by opening that which is most easy for you to reach and feel in your body, which are the jīn, the tendons. So, in a very yogic way, you are initiated into movements that will stretch your tendons, and the tendons, of course, includes also the uh, anything that is stringy in the body. So, in a certain way, also your nervous system. Uh, so, your endurance and containment of stress is greatly enhanced through this type of practice. So. You open, you start simple. You open the tendons, that opens the meridians, that opens the organs, and the organs will open your heart and your soul and your mind.
2: And in turn,
1: the mind is then again the driver of the mental focus and the strengthening and the better practice on the physical realm.
0: So what we really wanted to hear, what Wang Jingyu was asked was to give us some examples of what was possible given this kind of miraculous practice.
2: My teacher Li Dao was an amazing person. He
1: was not only a very educated person whose traces you can track in the annals of the sacred mountain of Qingcheng, uh who passed the government uh, examination and could have comfortably retired in, in, uh, into some uh, government post where he would live off the land and his community. But uh, he took it upon himself to actually revolt uh, late in the uh, history of the Qing Dynasty, there was something that was called the Boxer Rebellion, and uh, had to escape from the police uh, people,
2: from the military police, uh, at the end of the Qing Dynasty, and he became a Taoist monk.
1: At the end of his life, he was 118 years old, so he had clearly mastered the Taoist arts of how to take care of your body by regulating your emotions and your mental patterns uh, in such a way that uh, you were not upsetting your body in any way. I learned the Taoist dietetics, had learned the longevity practices. And the most remarkable thing, and perhaps the thing I will credit him the most for, is I was a tough little guy at this point. I had seen a lot and I never cried, and he melted me with his love into somebody who cried a lot because he knew exactly how to move my heart.
2: He brought me one night to give an example of the
1: way how he was teaching me into a dark room that was always locked within the monastery. In there was a one-yard tall statue that was covered mysteriously with a red cloth. And once he removed this cloth, I could see that it was a, a on, on a wooden, dummy of sorts. Uh, He had meridians, energy lines that I just talked about earlier, uh, painted on them and little holes drilled onto those lines, which are the so-called acupuncture points, um, through which you can impact this energy body uh, of the human being and uh, heal disease. This Uh, The statue was furthermore uh, covered with leather and so I had this very, at a time when there was no electricity in the monastery, at the end of the 1940s, this was a very mysterious place for me. Uh, He bade me to kneel on the ground and swear allegiance to the lineage and to the spirit of learning. In the lineage style of uh, transmitting real knowledge because now he was giving me the real goods from his perspective something that could save lives but that is also of use the wrong way could kill somebody so part of my oath was that i would never employ it for those kind of purposes that i would not forget any of the knowledge that was passed on to me here and that i would Vouch to teach it to worthy people after me. Then he systematically taught me something that is called Different ways how to work with my fingers with these points, how to strengthen my fingers that they were my tools, my needles, uh, how I could use my fingers to manipulate these points to either close these points off to paralyze somebody or to open these points up to make the energy moving again, like in somebody had a stroke, for instance, or somebody had a terrible injury. He, these four uh, these methods he taught me. And I had, I was given only one week to study this extremely complex knowledge and memorize all of the points and all of the ways to work these points. And in that process, I gained the respect of my teacher because while he had taught somebody else already before me who couldn't remember a thing, he saw that I was the right I was the right material uh, for the passing on of this knowledge because I wouldn't forget even the tiniest little bit. And then he made the decision to teach me everything else that he knew. After the opening and closing of these acupuncture gates, he taught me fingernail diagnostics of being able to use the fingernails of a patient uh, to inspect that at a specific time of day to look deep into the energetics of the organ networks because the fingernail, just like the tongue and the pulse and the iris uh, of the eye and the ear, as we know nowadays, is a holograph of organs that are inside of the body and he taught me furthermore the way how the human body is related to time, where the energy moves into different areas more so than others during different times of the day. My success in life later,
2: uh, because I was uh, in.
1: The part of China for 20 years that is known as Chinese Siberia where a lot of the labor camps were during the Cultural Revolution where it was very hard to live. And it was only based on my folk healing abilities that I was able to come out of this area and was given the professorship that I now hold in this uh, beloved field of... Uh, uh, nourishing life energy in martial arts uh, was because I became a physician to the Olympic athletes, many of which won gold medals in the uh, in the diving events in two or three different Olympics. And I basically used, for all of these people, to bring them back to the mat or bring them back to the board after severe injuries, I used the jijiofa. I used the method I had learned from my teacher how to reopen certain energetic pathways so that they could, within a very short period of time, could be back to dive into the water.
0: So obviously this relationship with his teacher was a really essential part of Professor Wang or at that time, Wang Qing Yu's practice, we asked him to, to tell us a personal story, a very personal story, something that kinda of carries the essence of what was important to him about the relationship with this teacher, this man.
2: 1949,
1: yeah, let me tell you the story uh, of what happened so when my father picked uh, me up sometime in the spring or summer of 1949, after a year of discipleship training with Master Li. Uh, he brought me to the temple door. He said to my father, which who was a person more of his generation, said something, and I remember his words still exactly, and said, Today we part. We do not know when we'll see each other again. The whole country is in uproar when you see Master Du, that's Du Xing Wu, who made the original uh, introduction, give him my best.
2: These are dangerous times. And
1: after that, he opened his monk's robe, he smoothed the ball, as we were calling that, he made a martial arts movement, and then he made that loud sound by exhaling, Ha! And about 50 yards from us, we heard a tree branch that it was thick as a thumb from the cypress fall down to the ground
2: this was real. Hey, this was not a hallucination.
1: Even if you scratch out my eyes, I won't revoke this statement. And after that, after me witnessing this event that I'll never forget my life, he said, My child, do not forget what I taught you. This is the traditional way of teaching, is teaching a child something that is maybe hard to comprehend and particularly hard to keep up. But he taught me at that moment, While during the whole year's time, he had not revealed his real internal powers. He showed me at the end what you can do with this force if you cultivate that for a lifetime. You can project your energy 50 yards outside of your body to cut off a branch from a tree. And that is, of course, something that kept me motivated, the memory of this event, to honor my teacher on one hand, but on the other hand, to go after this elusive mastery of something that powerful. Um,
2: And after that happened,
1: I should mention, my father
2: waited until
1: the monk had gone into the monastery. We had already disappeared around the corner there of the bamboo, bamboo grove, but he said, let's go back, because he was too materialist of a thinker that he could ever believe as an external martial artist that something like that was possible. And he was looking for hidden strings that he could have pulled to bring the string down and was looking for somebody hiding in the tree. In the end, he just says, 想不通, I can't figure it out. I don't know how I did it, that's amazing because he, of course, only believed in his fists, his gun, and his knife. Of course, today we understand more. We know about Einstein's theory and quantum physics and those kinds of things, so we know more about the concept of
2: energy and how it
1: can move and how it's not limited to just one locality. Later in life, I became uh, Chinese government's main examiner of something that's called which means people with special abilities, and I saw a lot of people with amazing gifts, but never again have I seen anything like this feat that my master performed at this moment.
0: So talking about the fact that his teacher was really emphasizing that these practices we see so many movies these days. We see so many things that are about gaining special powers and having the ability to control other people. But we're really learning from Professor Wong that the practices that he was being taught by his teacher were really about becoming a good person. So we asked him to emphasize this theme to tell us more about the essence of what the cultivation is truly for.
2: It's the Jin Jingmen that I learned from my master
1: is really a way of life. The movements are just a symbolic part about how I am standing in life with grace, with strength, and particularly with love and compassion. He taught me how to give my heart to others and then other people will give back to you. He taught me how to never harm others, specifically not with the martial arts skills that I have learned, not to beat others, not to seek revenge. Uh, My father's influence was very specifically a martial, uh, and I inherited that in my temper that, sure, sometimes somebody beats you, you want to beat them back harder. And sometimes I lost temper, particularly on the behalf of others. And that got me into prison uh, during Uh, the difficult times of the 1950s and the 60s during the Cultural Revolution when I beat people in power because they abused other people. So that was maybe my father's martial revenge-seeking spirit coming through, but at least I carried it out in the spirit of my master, who said, if you have to fight, fight for the weak. And I always fought for women, especially women I didn't know that I felt were abused in, uh, uh, in distant regions of the country where uh, local officials could reign free and uh, treat people as if they were their own slaves.
0: So, to wrap things up, we asked Professor Wang to tell us about how he then has taken this information and brought it back into the world.
2: Since I left my teacher, I've become a teacher myself, a teacher of literature,
1: a teacher of philosophy, a teacher of martial arts, and my students probably altogether number in the tens of thousands, but those are all people that only studied one thing with me in sort of a regular class type of environment or a weekend seminar type of thing. The real disciples, students that studied with me in China the way how I studied with my teacher, Uh, people who are under oath, so to speak, to continue the lineage in the most complete and responsible way are very few in China because in modern China uh, I have not found enough people who are genuinely interested in... Knowledge from the past. China is so forward oriented right now. Everybody wants to modernize, study business, study English, uh, that what I have to teach is uh, something from the feudal past that people generally, particularly intelligent people, tend to stay away from. Um, However, I've held in this age of workshops, I've held true to the principles uh, that my teachers have taught me namely that you should pass on this kind of ma- knowledge only in an environment where people really want to study this information. Otherwise, it will get lost or will become warped over time.
0: Well, That brings us to the end of the two-part series in which we've interviewed the amazing master of Wang Yu. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope you've benefited from the knowledge that usually is kept secret and now is being brought into the West. If you want to learn more, if you actually want to see Wang Qingyu in action, you can go to Heiner's website, classicalchinesemedicine.org. And there are actually some videotapes of Professor Wang on there and some more information about him. If you want to learn more about Chinese medicine at NCNM, you can go to the website of ncnm.edu. And that concludes our two-part series of True Nature Radio. I'm Laurie Regan.
1: And I'm Heiner Fruhoff. Join us next week for another episode.